Welcome to Season 3 of the Financial Fofu Podcast, where we talk all things finance, money and mindset. To find out more about us or to listen to some old episodes, you can visit us on our Instagram or Facebook pages or check out our website. So let's get into it today. Welcome to today's episode of Financial Fofu. We are talking about one of my favorite topics, which is self-managed super funds. Great topic and very worthy of having a good chat about. And we have our good friend Nick Zara from Concilium Wealth back with us today to discuss it because he yes. can talk about it. Thank you. Yes, we can talk about it. <laughs> and, and, and we should say the reason that we've commented a couple of times that Nick can talk about it is a lot of financial advice. You actually have to have a specific license, license um, yes. to be yes. able to talk about some of these things, which Sarah and I don't have. I have no. a lending license on self-managed super funds, so I can talk about the lending aspects. I can talk about um, the tax aspects. Under license, you can talk about the tax. So we've got you covered today. 100%. I'll talk, talk about the investments in it as well. Yeah. <laughs> so you can talk, exactly. talk to the three of us together and we can uh, help you out. With your yeah, we've got you covered all we, around. We have got you covered. <laughs> yes. Um, so for those that don't know, what is a self-managed super fund? Do you want me to start on that one? Yeah, yeah go for okay. it. All right. Get into it. So basically a self-managed super fund is is basically a super fund, first of all. Um, and basically when you're setting up, you basically are responsible for any decisions and basically complying to make sure that you are within the rules. So that's basically what you need to be aware of. Yeah. So you're basically uh, operating your own fund exactly going through one of the big yeah. So basically, your person is liable for all the fund decisions where you're investing. Um, you can get, you know, assistance from, you know, your accountant, your financial planner, and also, mm. you know, your mortgage broker in regards to getting the loans done. Mm. But you're solely responsible Correct. for the, the whole mm. thing. Basically, that's yeah. the main thing to be aware of. And I um, think whether you are an individual trustee or your fund has a corporate trustee, so a company as the trustee, and you're the director. You are liable to the CIS Act, the Superannuation Act, yep. and it has perhaps the right word is stronger requirements than just the Corporations Act as a director. Like the implications of being responsible to the super fund mm-hmm. are really important. I think a lot of people take for granted how serious it is to be a trustee of a self-managed super fund. Yeah, well, like we mentioned last week, superannuation is a very he- heavily regulated sort of area. Yeah. Um, and, and they're making sure that even though you're managing your own superannuation, you're still meeting all of those regulations. Yeah. 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 So how many members are normally in a SMSF? It depends. Um, no, I've got clients that are solely just themselves. Yep. Um, you know, you can get more. I believe now you can have up to six yeah. as well. But we're um, talking very small. It's very different to the large yeah. funds in terms of numbers of members. Yeah, definitely. Definitely that. Yeah. So why would I set one up then? It depends on the person, um, their needs. Um, what, what, what I'm finding mainly where they set them up is they want to purchase a commercial property. Yeah. So they, you know, it might be a, uh, it might be a, a particular occupation um, that they're renting a, a premises and they want to basically, they've seen like, you know, their business is growing and then will you know, why, you know, why, you know, give rent, 
money to somebody else where yep. if I've got, you know, some money in my super fund, um, you know, they can use that as a deposit to buy a commercial property. And then that way they basically pay rent into their super fund. So they're the main things that I'm finding. Yep. Um, other things that I'm finding is people wanting to buy a property, like a residential property, but they're not going to use it for themselves, mm. but more for um, investment purposes for long-term as well. So these are the like long-term type goals yep. um, where they might want to you know, purchase an investment property. Um, they rent it out. Um, rental goes into the super fund to pay off the debt. So that's basically what, what I'm seeing mainly what people are set up. Yeah. And the third one is more, this gets a bit tricky for estate planning purposes. So depending if they've got a blended family um, where they want to have more control in regards to how the money is distributed because they they basically, they are the super fund. Yeah. So upon death, um, where the money goes and things like that. So they're, they're the three main things. And then also people that want to have more control of the, the money, how it's invested. Yeah, well, as, as we've said, you know, you're managing it yourself. So if yeah. you manage it yourself, you can really, yeah. within the regulations, invest in, in whatever whatever you like. Yeah, um, and, and I know, um, obviously, you mentioned rental properties and things like that, but there are, you know, quite a lot of regulations around how that gets set up and doing commercial rental at market values and, and things like that. So it's not, you know, it's not a way of buying an asset for your own personal use, is it? No, 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 definitely not. Not you can't use it. You can't. It's basically what they the, the, what they call the in-house asset test. Hmm. So in other words, you can't actually use it yourself or any family members. So you sort of like an arm's length that they call basically. Yeah, it's got to be yeah. an arm's length transaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you can't you can't buy your a property off your cousin or or whatever like that. So yes, also when you're doing that, you know that transaction as well. Yeah. Okay. Now, is there sort of um, a minimum amount of money that you should have in super for it to be worthwhile yeah. setting up a self-managed mm. fund? Yeah, definitely. Um, there is a. They say that at least two hundred thousand dollars as a minimum. Yep. Yep. Um, in setting up, the reason why we say they say two hundred thousand dollars is also the government's come out and said this as well is because the cost in setting up a self-managed super fund and the ongoing mm. costs cost a bit. Um, yeah. And if you've got less than two hundred thousand dollars, the the costs outweigh the benefits. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically, what you need to be understand that you know setting up and, and the running costs can be high. Mm. Um, you know the costs are investing. You know your accountant basically. Um, they do the tax return each year. There's audit. You know. Mm. So you've got compliance fees of that. Exactly. That's sort of around yeah. the three thousand dollar mark. Two and Ex- a half. At least. Three- yeah. Three thousand yeah. dollars a year. Yeah. So they're not look. They're not the cheapest um, option. You know, yeah, like, but they have like anything. If you've done your sums, mm. there are benefits potentially for having it. So often, I'm the first point of call for a self managed super fund. Someone's read or been told that you should have a self managed super fund and you should buy a commercial <laughs> property in it, like Nick said earlier, and then yeah. you can rent it back to your business. And they ring me and I go, okay you've only got $150,000 in your fund. It's going to cost you two and a half grand a year in compliance. It's going to cost you maybe $10,000 to set it up. If you've got, um, a tr- you know, the trust with a trustee. And then when you borrow for money within the fund, you have to call, use what's called a bear trustee. Mm. And we haven't talked about that yet, but yeah. like they're not cheap things. So 
I'm not saying don't do it, but just do it for the right reasons. Like do your research, know what it's going to cost you, know what the implications are, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So that's basically what you need, you need to be aware about, you know, setting up the self-managed super fund. Definitely about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're not cheap. And They're the not lending's cheap. not cheap in them either. So there needs to be a viable reason for why you do it and you need financial advice in a lot of instances, um, especially well, if you're doing lending. Well, in all instances because, Nick, tell us, who, who is allowed to set an SMSF up? Who's, who's allowed? Yeah, who's allowed to actually set it up? Can I, can I do it? Can Sarah set, you know, for, an, for a client? Or what type Gen- of advisor or a license? Yeah, okay. So basically, have? yeah, so generally what would we be doing is at the same time with the accountant. Mm. So the accountant could be setting up the self-managed super fund. Mm. Um, so that'll be a good start, you know, dealing with the accountant. So they set it all up. Um, you need to get the, the, also the accountant with the sort of some sort of legal advice in regards to drafting the contracts up. And then you will get the financial advice from myself mm. uh, in regards to, um, it's, it's especially if you're going to be borrowing, to, you know, to making sure that, you know, you've got the, the system set up you know, yeah. from today into the future and how it's going to project and how it's going to end up being mm. basically an, an exit strategy as well. Yeah. And um, I just think it's important to note that while the accountant can set up the documents, um, an account, most accountants don't have the licence to advise you that you should have a superannuation a self-managed mm-hmm. superannuation fund. So it really is something that we work in conjunction with financial advisors on because we need the financial advisor to actually give you the advice that, yes, it makes sense in your financial circumstances to Correct. have a self-managed fund. Yeah. Um, and as you say, work then work with the accountant and, and potentially lawyers um, in setting the whole thing up. And, and that's where you can see that it start, can start to get costly because there's multiple advisors involved um, yeah. in, in the yeah. setup phase. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So... Are there restrictions on what I, other, other than what we've, I guess, already spoken about in terms of the property? Are there any other restrictions on what I can and can't invest in um, um, within a self-managed fund? Basically, investing, there's, as long as the, um, so to give an example, you know, you can invest what you have in your existing super funds, like what everyone does have, like, you know, your Australian shares, your global shares, your cash. Mm-hmm. You can do all that sort of thing, things. I've got some clients that have got um, co- commercial um, buildings, car parks in the city, so in yeah, other okay. words, um, but they can't use it. They basically let, rent them out. Yeah. Um, you, know, you can have those type of assets in there. You can, there is um, yeah, personal assets that you'd use yourself. You can't just um, have a, you can, you know, like to give an example, you know, you, I've heard of people, you know, wanting to buy a painting that may go up in value, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, you can't really do that because you're going to hang that painting up on your wall. You're not allowed to do yeah. that type of things. Does it uh, make sole purpose test, right? Exactly. Yeah. There is, I mean, there is something with regards to, you know, 5% in-house asset rules. Sorry. Okay. So let's wind it back then. Have we yeah. talked about sole purpose test yet? I don't think we have. So what does sole purpose test actually mean? Well, the sole purpose test is basically um, it's there for you. You're investing for your retirement. Basically, that's the main right. thing. So it needs to bring you a return on the investment to provide funds for retirement. Re- retirement, correct. Yeah. yeah. So it's not your personal pleasure. In other words, yeah. you know, so if you were to look at your yeah, if you were to look at your painting example, the sole purpose of that is not yeah. um, 
a retirement investment. So you yeah, know, yeah. part of the purpose is you having a beautiful yeah. object in your house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because basically, as we said before, you've got tax concessions in super funds. Yeah. So basically, the the, the main, so the sole purpose of this is providing retirement benefits, you know, for yourself and your members, basically. Yeah. And dependents. What about so then, what about crypto? Can I invest yeah. in crypto in my self management? Can't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't talk about that because crypto is not on the list of asset classes that you can talk uh, about, right? All right. Yeah. Okay. I can't talk about okay. it. It's, it's, okay. Unfortunately, financial planners um, can't talk about crypto in that regard. Okay. So, and could, can we right. say that's because it hasn't been deemed to be an actually defined asset class yet? Um, it's well, basically, um, like a license. Basically, it's, it, yeah, we can't talk about crypto, unfortunately. Yeah. I've, I've seen yeah. it being done, but I can't yeah. advise on that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, just comment curious. on that. That's Sorry, yeah. yeah, no, 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 that's completely fine. But the reality is, is that if you can't talk about it, mm-hmm. then why people... would you be investing in it in your super fund? <laughs> yeah, pretty much is where I was going with that. Trudy, thanks for reading my mind. <laughs> so when we talk about what you can do in super funds, going off the back of that, some people yeah. might be sitting here confused then as to the, the scenario we gave earlier is then how can you buy a factory and rent it back to your business? That's different. Why uh, is it different? Because you're basically using it for your own business for your retirement. So it's, it's not, it's a different, it's a different type of area that regards. Also commercial property is defined as real property. Property. Correct. Correct. That's so it's a very, it's a very, what's the word, Trudy? It, um, you know, like unique definition as to mm. how it circumvents the, the other rules that they have in place, but effectively there is a line drawn in the sand on this and Mm. commercial property is deemed acceptable for your business because your business is a separate entity to your super fund, not you Mm. personally. And we've talked about entity types in the past Mm. and a super fund trust and a a trading entity, so a a PTY, LTD, a separate legal entities. Um, and it, it's still important to note, though, that the, you know you do need to have market value rent. Correct. Yes. Um, and and recording yeah everything at appropriate market um, arms length type values. You can't just buy the property in your super fund and then not charge any rent. Correct. Um, through to the business. <laughs> Very it has true. to be market value. It has to be. I mean, again, mm. really important things. Yeah, and look, when I'm doing the when I'm doing the financials and the books for for some um, SMSFs, I actually get them to go and get valuations from a, a local real estate agent yes. of, of what would be a reasonable rent um, yes. if they were to rent it to a third party. Correct. Definitely yep. get that done because you're going to get into big trouble if you don't. Yeah. Yeah, you can't just use it to circumvent <laughs> paying, <laughs> paying from your business. So, yeah, really, really important. So... LRBAs and lending. So limited recourse borrowing arrangement and Mm -hmm. the lending to a self-managed super fund we briefly touched on earlier. Mm -hmm. But when super funds were first, um, like self-managed super funds were first allowed, they didn't allow lending within the fund. You had to, if you wanted to buy anything, property or otherwise, you had to pay cash. Yep. Mm -hmm. This changed a while ago. I think it was about 15 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Not 40, Uh, (laughs) but it was about 15 years ago. And what they did is they amended the act to say that if you utilized a bear trust and the bear trust took the loan out on behalf of the super fund, 
then the super fund wasn't doing the lending and it would be acceptable, deemed acceptable to allow that fund to borrow. Have I got that correct? Correct. Okay. So the reason that I've explained it that way is that this is where a lot of people get very confused when it comes to borrowing within a super fund. Technically, yes, you're borrowing for the benefit of the super fund, but you borrow through another vehicle um, called a bear trust and a bear trustee. And you actually need to have that set up to borrow in a fund. And Mm. so your super fund becomes the guarantor to the transaction and the borrower becomes your bear trust. And the reason I'm raising it again is that it also adds extra cost because you Mm. now need to buy another trust and usually another corporate trustee that goes with that. And they are only allowed to be utilised per property. Mm. And is that where the limited recourse Correct, because you can only, the the lender has limited recourse against the loan that's within the bear trust and no other assets of the super fund. Yeah, so basically if, if it does go belly up, basically yeah. the bank can't take the self-managed super fund, they can only take what's in the bear trust. Correct. Yeah, right. okay. and, way. Yeah. And, and, and when you're lending in a super fund, Sarah, can, you know, if I was to go and, just buy a house or a commercial property myself, I might need a 10 or 20% deposit. Is that the mm-hmm. same within a super fund or do they require? Yeah, so it does depend on the lender and it also depends on what sort of interest rate you're prepared to pay within the fund. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some lenders that will only take a 20% deposit in the fund now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a sliding scale though from about 60 to 80% leverage that mm-hmm. the, the lower the loan amount or the lower the loan to value ratio, the lower the interest rate. So it just depends what your strategies are for the fund moving forward and what your advice piece is around it. Um, Because if you utilize a higher deposit to get a lower interest rate, you can't leverage a property within a super fund the way you can leverage a property in a company or in an individual name. So you can't borrow against that property to cash the equity out to buy again. Yep. You can refinance super fund loans from time to time with some lenders if it's a dollar for dollar refinance. So you borrow 400000 you refinance $400,000, but you can't cash equity out. And this is where a lot of people get confused. So this is, again, why you need advice. And, okay, no, you don't have to have advice for a super fund specifically if you take the obligations and risks as the um, – trustee seriously and we'll see I'm part of a couple of groups on Facebook where people are trying to do it themselves and it scares the crap out of me because (laughs) like there's so many things that could go wrong if you're not an expert in this space and I've spent 15 years becoming a lending expert in this space and Nick how long have you been a financial planner that's talked about super funds for like 20 20 years right so it's it's a really specialized Mm. unique um area Yes. That, that has risks that go with it. And so the wrong decision about how much deposit you put in can impact your growth strategy within the fund, which exactly. has a sole purpose test for, for retirement. So yeah. there's some serious implications there. And yes, mm-hmm. okay, you can get away without advice, but my advice for everybody from a lending <laughs> point of view is get some serious financial advice yeah. um, around this, even if you don't think you need it. Definitely. I'd say... Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, especially like you know, if you're if, in this, you know, if you've got a client or someone looking at setting a self-managed super fund and buying a commercial property, 
cheese themselves, what they're actually doing is is pretty much putting all their eggs in a commercial property and not diversifying something else. So yeah, property's been going pretty good in the past, mm. but what happens in the future? You know, you may not, you know, yeah, not been diversified. Yeah, they need to um, consider a full investment strategy and not yeah, just focus on this one thing they exactly, want to do. Exactly, exactly. And the other thing is when you're setting up a self-managed super fund, just remember that you've got insurance on your old super fund Yes. that before yes. you transfer across, making sure that you've got the insurances set up, the personal insurances, like, you know, you get your normal life cover, disability cover. Yeah. If you're transferring it across, what's going to happen is you're going to lose out on that insurance yeah, that you have. Yeah, so it's, again, looking at your total financial package and how they interlink together mm. and what the implications are of a, one decision. Yeah, I, I've got um, a client who has a self-managed fund, but they also still have their old um, industry fund because he wasn't able to get the same level of insurance cover in the yes. SMSF as to what he yes. had in his in his industry fund. So he actually runs both um, both funds so that he can yep. keep, keep the good insurance, but he gets the benefits that he wants in his self-managed fund as well. So I guess they're all things that really should be considered before you jump in and close down the old fund and have the new one um, running. Correct. Yes. And depending on the state that you buy in, it's really important as well. I mean, in Victoria, we have nomination clause where you can nominate a name onto a to a title for a contractor sale, New South Wales, you can't, you'll pay the stamp duty again. So there's pre-planning position about setting up a fund first, making the decision, getting your loan pre-approved <laughs> is another one I would recommend for you. Um, again, another reason why a planner is a really good option to have to cement the positive outcomes that come yeah. with the fund. Um, just back on lending quickly, I briefly touched on it, but the lending is not cheap. In terms of interest rate, it's also not cheap in terms of application fees. Application fees are up to um, 0.5 to 1% of the loan mm. amount. So if it's a $600,000 loan, you could pay six grand in an app fee. If it's a commercial property, commercial property valuation, cost supply, and they're $3,500. And I also charge a fee for this type of um, lending because it's complicated. There's a lot of um, liaison work that needs to go on with your accountant, your financial planner and your conveyancer potentially. And mm. if they're not experts in self-managed super fund, it gets very complicated very yeah. quickly and very time consuming. So I think if this is something you want to consider, that $200,000 minimum balance is important. Mm. Yeah, definitely. For, for extra reasons than just the basic administrative costs of the fund. Yeah. So Nick, we've talked a lot about the costs and some of the restrictions around it. Is the mm. main benefit of it just that control piece and having a bit more control over your funds control that would be yeah definitely control yep um and then the other thing is you know a normal retail fund or a normal super fund can't really invest in direct property yep okay yeah that's that's when that's when you sort of like go down the self-managed super fund um way where and where you want more control as well yes okay definitely any last tips or hints for anyone? No, Sarah has one more question, I think. I think the thing to talk about is probably relevant and we haven't discussed it. We did talk about it in the last episode, but the tax benefits of a self-managed super fund, especially if we're talking about property mm -hmm. around capital gains tax. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. definitely, yeah. So um, who wants to talk about this yeah, one? Yeah, I, I, I can Just jump on that. So, so yeah. <laughs> um, obviously the 15% the, the, the tax rate and the pension rates that we talked about um, last week all still apply um, within a self-managed fund. Um, but where a lot of people um, like 
the the self-managed fund, especially where they are looking at property investments. Um, if you were to buy, let's use the commercial property example in your own name, um, when you sell that property, you're going to pay capital gains tax um, on that property, which could be quite expensive depending on how much the property has gone up in value and your tax rate at the time. If, however, you hang on to that commercial property until your self-managed super fund is in pension phase, potentially you pay no tax at all on the sale of that property. So if it is something that you're planning on hanging on to for the long term um, until you are retired, there's definitely can be big, big tax benefits um, for the sale of that asset. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I mean, if you think about it, if you buy a factory for $500,000 now and hold on to it for 25 years and it's worth $2 million, mm. like That's it's a $1.5 million gain that um, is potentially, potentially tax-free. Yeah. Mm. So there are some benefits to it. So control and then tax, right? So they're the exactly. things that that would come out in, in the other side of it. So lots of information there again, guys. Um, <laughs> if you've got any questions, feel free to reach out to us online through our social media. Follow Nick's pages online. You can see his website. He's at conciliumwm.com.au. Yep, .com.au. You can reach him on LinkedIn as well. Um, Nick Zara. And have you got the S on your name on LinkedIn? Yes, Nick Zaris, yes, yeah. Nick Zaris, there you go. <laughs> um, so I think that's probably enough mind-blowing information for today's episode. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us, Nick. It's been an absolute pleasure having you again. Likewise. You're such a wealth of knowledge. Thank you again. And it's been fun. Will... Yeah, absolutely. It has been fun. We will see you next week with another episode. We're talking about ways to protect your business, personal property, security register, OPAP, et cetera, et cetera. Google it if you don't know what it is. <laughs> or, or just tune in next week. That's the other option. <laughs> we'll speak to you then. We're looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Financial Fofu. We really appreciate you tuning in and hope that you have subscribed to our channel. I just wanted to let you all know that the information and material in our podcast and any supplementary and associated information available is for general purposes only. It should not be taken as constituting professional advice from us, the podcast owners and our special guests. And we recommend that you seek independent, suitable advice that is specific for your unique circumstances. Thanks for tuning in. Hope to see you next week. Please, please, please send us, um, use our link and send us any requests or any feedback. We'd really appreciate it. Cheers.